Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. How's it going, mate? Good. How you doing, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. How's, how's Canada? Canada's wonderful. I've just seen a few people I recognize pop into the chat. Great. A friend of mine, Andy Hart, or Randy Shard, as his name is. Randy uh, Shard. Dream Boondogglers. They, they are... They were cycling through the USA and Canada at the same time as me. Oh, nice. They were pulling a trailer and pulling a, a dog with them as well. Which oh, is sweet. Awesome. Yeah. That's kind of my dream. I want to I wanna just go bikepacking for like a couple of weeks and just have a dog run beside me and jump in the trailer when it's tired. Yeah, you'd imagine. I've seen a few people do it. It's a big old task doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah, hats off to them. Really hats off to them. I don't know if I'd want to do it myself. But uh, yeah. It's, How it's, are things in the UK? I've seen you've been out riding. Good. Yeah, I went out today, did a, did about 60-odd K today. Nice. We went to the coast. It's, been, it's really nice. Loads of people out and about on their bikes, lots of families out and about, which I think that as bad as all this pandemic is, it's really good to see that there's families getting out together and getting out on their bikes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's big. It's big here on the Quebec side um, of Ottawa. Uh, the French Canadians tend to be a lot more active, I think. So you see a lot of people out riding. Today's raining, so probably not so much. Right. T- today's good here. Really good. So, uh, yeah, I made the most of it. I've, I've got a bit of a, a niggle on my car, but I can still cycle. So that is good news. Uh-huh. Got to get a foam roller. Uh, I'm terrible at stretching. Never do it. So bad. I should, but I'm, I can't be bothered. <laughs> That's probably why I'm injured. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So today we're going to be talking about just bikes in general, right? I think there's a, there's a quite a variety of bikes between you and I of what we've toured with. Indeed. And, I, and as we're talking about bikes, I've just seen pop into our, our live chat somebody that was on my very first bike tour. No kidding. Uh, it's called Ollie. Ollie Van Brick. He's just popped into the chat and he will, when we get on some bikes, we were touring with uh, it'll be quite cool for him to hear that because uh, that was a long time ago yeah, yeah things have moved on a long way from the early days definitely definitely so i'm going to do a quick little intro so that when i do make this into a podcast uh, for the website that we we have that little blurb so in episode three of bike tour adventures touring talk series adam and i are going to talk about the various types of bikes available for touring what their advantages and limitations are and share our various experiences with regards to them so yeah, so talking about bikes, my first tour was 2012. Do I predate you? Yeah, my first ever tour, I think, was 2014. Okay, so I'll start it. My first bike tour, I used um, a mountain bike. And 
There was really not much wrong with it, I would say. It was a, it's a BMC 29er, so it had good-sized wheels. Where, where did you go? I did uh, 1,500 kilometers in Indonesia. So not a huge tour, but started oh, in uh, Yogyakarta, which is the, uh, the ancient capital area of Indonesia. Cycled through Java, which is a shit show. Yeah. Pretty dangerous, pretty risky, you know, like sometimes going up some massive mountains, holding onto the back of trucks. Yeah. And uh, you, you've done that. And then um, Bali and... <laughs> Not on your first tour, though. That's crazy. Bali and Lombok as well, which was uh, which was really nice. And as soon as you got off Java, things seemed like much more countryside and chill. So Right. Yeah, and that tour, I used a mountain bike. And since it was kind of an... Well, I mean, to me, it was expensive. It was a couple grand, a couple thousand dollars Canadian. I, uh, I put duct tape all over it just to protect the frame. I thought, hey, it keeps the branding off in case anybody knows the brand. And keep it from getting all beat to hell because touring can be quite harder than uh, just normal day-to-day riding. And I changed the wheels, or the tires, sorry. I put on some 1.75 or 1.5 inch slicks, more of a, a road type tire just to be able to, to go faster. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like a... It's particularly when you know you're probably what the roads like in Indonesia. Are they are they quite good quality? Or I, I I did end up taking a lot of like main roads. I did get off off track sometimes, like to more country roads. But a lot of it tended to be like it was my first tour, so a lot of A to B. And then I would spend a week in a city and enjoy life and just meet couch surfers and party and that kind of thing. And then just another B to C and then carry on from there. But um. I think one of the limitations to the mountain bike was because you don't have proper bosses to mount your bike rack. I had to like bend the little bars and stuff and jimmy it so it was like mounted between the seat post clamp, which caused it to have a lot yeah. of flex left and right. This is 2012 before bike packing was even yeah, a, kind a, of fashion, a, a fashionable term to use. Yeah, I think 2012 probably bike packing was starting in the US and stuff and um, it was kind of growing okay. as an off course thing, but I don't think like internationally you couldn't, Ortley right. wasn't making stuff yet even and like, you know, so. Yeah, so I mean, there was a lot of flex when I was climbing mountains, so I think that was like the major limitation. Mm. But otherwise, the mountain bike was great, had good good position, I was pretty comfortable. It was a lot cheaper than going out and buying another touring bike, because I didn't have money so did at the you, time. So did you already have that bike already, or did you buy that for the tour? Yeah, that was my mountain bike, that was my go-to mountain bike. Yeah, so right. that's just good. as a first tour, using what I had. I think that's good advice for anybody. Is to is to make do the first bit of advice when people often ask is like what bike shall I use to go on a bike tour is what bike what bike do you have and if they already have one it's like we'll go on that the best bike to go on to start with is the bike you've already got yeah and I think I mean with the exception of let's say you're doing your first tour and you're thinking I'm gonna cycle twenty thousand kilometers and do it two years all around the world then you probably invest the money get a touring bike. For sure. But if yeah, you're doing, you know, point. like a, a couple months or a few weeks or whatever, just just use what you got. Save some money. Yeah. It's similar to me in a way. Um, well, actually, no, it's a, bit, a little bit different. I didn't, I bought a bike um, in 2000, maybe in 2013, I'm trying to think now, 13 or 14. Um, my whole coming into bike touring, I didn't even know it was a thing. There's always a point where we didn't know bike touring existed. Yeah. So for me, I was in. Um, I used to be in the army, and I was in Afghanistan. And I'd read a book about by some guy who had bike tour around the world about Alistair Humphreys and his bike tour. And I came back from Afghanistan and was like, I want to go and ride a bike somewhere. But I had I was in. The, I had a job, but I had a bit of time off. 
I had about two weeks, maybe three weeks off. So I in, bought a bike as quick as I could, but I didn't know what bike to get. Right. I hadn't really done any research. And I bought a, I wanted a bike I could use for lots of different things. So I just instantly thought you need something light and fast. And I, I thought of the Tour de France and these people on road bikes and thought they bike a long way. I'll mm. just get a road bike. <laughs> Why not? So, yeah. So I got a aluminium frame. I don't remember the brand, but it was like a, a pretty naff aluminium frame, second hand, um, just road bike with the super thin 700cc wheels. Yep. Um, it was fine-ish. It, I could do long days and I could go fast, but it was not very comfortable. What was your setup? Like, what did you have for gear and stuff? How did you strap things on? Uh, I had a backpack, which I put on a little seat post rack originally. So mm -hmm. on the seat post had like a, a rack that comes out and put my bag on it and got some bungees and wrapped it to it. Yeah, nice. And then I had like a sleeping pad underneath it. Um, I might have had a tiny little bag to put my phone in that's it on my handlebars like a tiny little kind of just one mm -hmm. of them and that that was it the seat post rack my friend ollie who was on the bike tour with me his seat post rack broke on day two of this 10-day bike trip we went they're, on. they're not that great i mean they're they're pretty limited in how much weight you can pack on those seat post racks yeah and if you don't break the seat post rack you're liable to break your seat posts if you put too much weight so <laughs> It was far too heavy. So I ended up having to wear a rucksack. Ollie had brought a spare tire, thinking for a, t for a 10 day bike ride, he'd need a spare tire, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ended up riding for, for 18 months without a spare tire. So you definitely don't need a spare tire. That's true. In my opinion. But um, he had one around his body. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was brilliantly bodged together. Yeah. But equally, you, you learn some really good lessons going with the bike you've got. My tour was um, in in Europe. I toured from the UK, got the uh, went from London, rode to the coast, and then toured through uh, France, Belgium, the length of Belgium up into the Ardennes, mm -hmm. then into Luxembourg, then I did a loop round back into France towards Paris. Oh, so sweet! So it's just like, like yeah. a, a loop of north, like yeah, northwest Europe, which was really nice. Was what was the good first, about what was the good about that first bike? Were there any great aspects about it? Fast, so I guess. many. There's that freedom, that's that sense. Oh, yeah, we were doing 150 kilometers a day, and we'd never cycled before. But it's because we were so light, and we were fit guys, mm -hmm. and we just didn't have any uh, relative like what's a good day, what's a bad day. So we just cycled hard, and we had a deadline, and we were raising money for char like a military charity for that bike trip as well. Yeah. So there was all there was like to us, it was quite a big deal to cycle. I think we did about six or seven thousand kilometers on that bike trip. Oh, sweet! Was it that far? Can't have been. I don't think that sounds right. Is it? Is UK even that long? No, it's not. That's absolutely <laughs> wrong. Um, how far was it? Maybe no. I think no. It was one thousand six hundred. I think it's one thousand six hundred kilometers. Okay. I think we did. Yeah. I think that makes more sense. I can't remember. He's like, yeah, we went across the UK like this. <laughs> six thousand kilometers would get you like from the UK through past Turkey and beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be a big old bike trip. Yeah. Or across half of Canada. Yeah, yeah, easily. Or yeah, more, than so, half, um, more than half, quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, it was the freedom that having a bike just just provided. And it, it we camped in a tiny two-person tent, which wasn't for two people. It was a pop-up tent that cost about $20. 
It was so uncomfortable. Seema's asking, and, how big is the UK? Uh, length, it's a thousand. It's about a thousand kilometers from top to bottom. Okay. Yeah, roughly. So it's definitely not that big. About 1,600, I think it was. Um, so yeah, it was um, first bike tour. Who's the bike you've got? But definitely learn the lessons. My first big lesson was um, always have a good rack, a good rear rack. Yeah. Do not carry anything on your body if you can help it. Yeah, exactly. My my first, uh, after that mountain bike tour, I did a few shorter tours, about like 550 kilometers or so. So I've done three of them. I did one from Helsingborg, Denmark, which is, you know, like the old Viking area. It's where the, I think... Um, King Lear's castle is or something from Shakespeare that he's developed on that. I think it's King Lear. So I cycled from there to Berlin in three days. And since that one, I camped. Same thing. I had a seat post rack I borrowed from a buddy. I had this old aluminum Oryx mountain bike, which is like uh, when um, when Peugeot moved out of Canada, some companies decided to use that factory and create their own brand. It didn't last long. But Oryx was okay. It was an all right bike. It was just an alloy bike, a cheap one. Shimano Sora shifters, like... Anyways, yeah, I wore a backpack too because I was camping and I had my mat, sleeping uh, tent, um, all that stuff. And it was a bitch. Like, even though it was only three days, it was tough on the back. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. super comfortable. So I think if you're going light, you, you can use a road bike. Just put on like a half frame bag, I think. Use a little yeah, back really rack. Strap on, a, strap on a little bag. It all depends on the type of touring you're doing. And how, like you said, if you're going on a 20,000 round the world attempt, a road bike can be done. People have done it on road bikes, but it's going to be, it's going to fix you to certain routes. You're going to be looking for tarmac. Mm -hmm. Don't want to go off road. And I think the style of bike touring that you and I like, we do like that option to be able to take the the road less traveled. And and that often means having something that can do lots of different things rather than uh, a and it's also dependent on how much weight them bikes are built to carry. Usually they're built to carry these really super lightweight people on them that can cycle super quick. Not heavy people like me and then all my bags and stuff like that with it because it can break the frame. Yeah, somebody here says UK is the size of the smallest state in India. <laughs> yeah, the UK is not that big. He's also, I think, the same person, pick and pedal. Has also said, which, what, which is the highest mountain pass in the UK? We don't really have mountain passes. We've like, I think the highest road in the UK is like maybe 500 meters. Oh, I mean that would be England, road. right? Like, in, I think in Scotland you got some pretty high. Not, not really. Roads, not really. No. Not not roads. It's you've got like mountains that about one like Ben Nevis is about 1,200. Okay. But the, the highest roads go up to like four, five hundred meters. They don't have roads really up the mountains. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, like like you said, so I think we're getting up to there is like your your bike tour, 20,000 kilometers. Um, my short tours such as Sweden, Japan, Malaysia, they were all really short and using a road bike was perfect because I could just really, you know, put on big kilometers every day. I was going about 200 kilometers a day, hitting it. Yeah. And I was only carrying maybe four or five kilos or five, six kilos of luggage for the most part. I think our different styles, it's quite good really us talking about this because whenever I've ridden with you or mm -hmm. seen you ride, you're, you're generally lighter and faster. And that includes the type of bike that you use. 
yeah. um, as well. Whereas we're talking about me using a road bike on my first one. That's the lightest bike tour I've ever done. Since then, I've gradually got heavier and heavier, which often people go the other way and start with massive heavy bikes yeah, and get lighter yeah. and lighter. But yeah, yeah I, I just like I like I like putting on weight. <laughs> <laughs> Kebabs. Tell us about your your touring bike. My proper touring bike that I use on the big bike trip is a Surly Disc Trucker. It's, um, I think, a 2017 model and pretty standard. When I started, I started with drop handlebars, um, all the stock as it was, as it came. I put a couple of Tubus racks on the bike. Yeah. Uh, there, front rack and rear rack. And I used all lead bags. I was pretty much the standard bike tourer that you'd see on the on the road um, with standard gear early. My gear changed as the bike tour went on. I ended up losing the front front rack. I changed wheels. I changed the handlebars to some flat surly bars. So, um, yeah, there's a few changes. But ultimately, the bike is the same bike. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's a steel-framed, all-purpose touring bike that can do everything fairly well. Even today, I went out, unloaded, nothing on the bike, and rode three hours, 60 kilometers. And it's a good good steel bike. And for me, it does, does everything quite well. Pretty happy with that. Yeah. You, you'd made a few changes, I mean, as your tour progressed, right? Because earlier on in the, in the early days, you were mostly on roads, paved or gravel, that kind of thing. And then when you got to Alaska, you, you figured it was time to put a... I think you, you ran into a couple curbs and crashed and broke some front panniers. So as the tour progressed, you decided to like get rid of the front panniers and modify the bikes. What did you do to change it up? Yeah, that's exactly right. I put these Surly terminal handlebars on, which meant changing all the cables and the brakes because I went from these drop bars to them. Uh, I wanted to base just to have something with a bit more control because I knew I'd be... And my aim was to spend more time off-road. And the thought really was for Mexico and beyond. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to set it up in Alaska because there's a fair bit of off-road terrain in the northern in northern Alaska. And then as I move further south, it gives me options to do routes like the Great Great Divide. And Orbi, you can do that on drop bars. If you're happy with your bars, you're, you're good to go. But right. for me, I felt... Um, I felt for months, even when I was on the bike trip, I wanted to change from these drop bars. I would have done it at the beginning, but I remember inquiring about doing it and the bike shop basically just being like, oh, it's quite a big job. I don't know if I want that. They didn't really want to do it because it's a bit fiddly. Alaska, they were like, yeah, no problem. We'll do it. And they had these brand new Surly Terminal bars, which are like shaped like like this. They're quite quite good little mm-hmm. uh, yeah the shape um, they're just flat bars basically for people that are seeing what i just did there just realized the podcast but yeah it was a good good choice for me and it also allowed me to store more things under my more baggage underneath my handlebars okay yeah yeah because you you kind of bungeed you didn't buy a front roll but you just bungeed a dry bag to your handlebars right yeah, I got. I used um, a couple of uh, Molly. Uh, is that what they're called? They're called uh, ooh, the, sh- the straps you get. Uh, volley, volley straps. V O double L E. Yeah, volley, um, yeah, volley. 
Yeah, yeah I think they're traditionally used for like cross country or like skis and stuff for like strapping your skis together. But they've since Great. become such yeah. a big piece of kit that now they're making them in all kinds of lengths and like people are using them for everything. So really good piece. Yeah, of kit. I bought like two standard size ones. Oh, sorry, I actually bought four. So you can interlock them together to make them really long. Oh, okay. You can attach as many as you want to make it as long as you need to. So I, I just put light things under my handlebars because it affects the steering quite a lot. So I uh, just had my sleeping bag and my sleeping mat, and that was it under my handlebars. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Bulky, but light. Yeah, and you had the rear panniers. You had the duffel on top or a bag on top, right? Dry bag, I guess. I had a rucksack, mm. like a day rucksack, which I ended up just putting food in. That was just like my food bag full of pasta and peanut butter and wraps. Yeah. Uh, what bike did you use when you started bike touring through uh, Southeast Asia? Yeah. So when I, um, oh man, at some point along the way, I decided I wanted to get a touring bike. And then I was very similar to, you know, I almost got a Surly and then I was like, I travel a lot. I've moved quite a few countries and I always get in this problem where I was stuck paying for like airplanes. So I, I had research and found out about Bike Friday and they're, they're a folding bike company. So they make folding touring bikes, which are pretty sweet and lots of bosses so you can mount like three water bottles you can have a back and a front rack because the back rack is quite high there is a little bit of flex um i have heard of people putting on like two boost racks or surly racks just to have that heavy duty rack that's not going to be flexing at all while yeah. you climb a mountain so there's definitely a downside on the first tour i did with that bike in thailand when i met you i was using just two little front panniers i didn't have i didn't have anything on the back I think I had the rack because I had a tool bag that mounts under it, but it was pretty lightweight, like four or five kilos, I think total. I remember, I remember asking you, how do you, how do you find keeping the speed or climbing with that bike? Because, yeah, it, it, you'd think a folding bike just won't be as good for climbing or speed as a normal bike. Mm-hmm. But how did you? How did you find that? Yeah, folding bikes tend to have bigger chain rings, so when you first look at them, you're like, holy crap. They look really big compared to, you know, most touring bikes have closer to mountain bike size chain rings. They tend to be a little bit smaller so you can get that extra power going uphill. But because the wheels are 20 inches. Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag-making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Magnin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. It climbed. Um, I don't think I ever went slower than five kilometers an hour, and those were some pretty steep hills up in northern Thailand. 
Like, yeah. you, you know it. You were there. I think the steepest I, sections... I actually think you went quicker than me. I think your folding bike set was, was, was better, better, maybe just because it's got a better rider on it. <laughs> maybe. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not the... It's, it's the motor. It's the legs. <laughs> it's just the legs, exactly that, yeah. So, yeah, you, I was impressed with... Um, when I rode with you in Cambodia, how quick you could go on that bike. You were fast. Uh, I watched a video recently where there was a pro rider climbing a mountain on a Brompton and he was going against these other pro riders and stuff like on normal bikes and he was keeping pace with them just because they're small and he was yeah. like, you know, just giving her. Yeah, it's got some power, some gas in them legs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that bike's pretty sweet because uh, the Bike Friday, I can pack it in a suitcase, which makes it really nice. For example, if I were to fly to Japan or... If I was going somewhere on a business trip, a teacher, I don't really go on many business trips, but if I wanted to take off somewhere, I could get a super cheap flight, bam, just throw that bike in a box or in a small box or in a suitcase and just leave the suitcase at a hotel, do a little bike tour and then come back, pick up the suitcase, repack the bike and go home. That's massive because like often it's all airline dependent, but Mm -hmm. when you fly with a bicycle, sometimes it can, I've been stung with like $100, $150 baggage charges and and then there's the hassle of when you finish like what am i going to do with packing Mm -hmm. i hate packing a bike to fly i've done it so many times and i've yeah i just if i could avoid that the the answer is get a folding bike there's some growth in the market though i mean like in 2014 15 something like that i would fly to japan and air canada would charge you 250 dollars for a bike 250 bucks Canadian. Like, that's still a lot of money, even though it's Canadian. Right. Now it's free. So you can check your bike as one of your checked luggages. So that's, that's, that's a, good. That's a pretty sweet improvement on the system. Like, they're recognizing that bikers are out there, people are cycle touring, and there's a market. So, like, let's treat the people well, you know? Yeah. I also got really lucky with my bike in Japan when I flew from Japan to the USA. I flew with American Airlines, and the month before I flew, they changed their policy of charging people $100 plus, I think it's $120 for your bike, and they just waived all bike charges. Oh. I was planning to spend that money. That went, and I was like, oh, I've now got $120 extra, and that all got spent on sushi and Japanese food. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like... And hotels hotels in Tokyo. It's freaking expensive. Yeah, hotels yeah. in Tokyo too, <laughs> yeah. What are you uh, What are you using now, bud? You went back to you UK. Know, you bought a You bought a pretty sweet piece. Genuinely, it was in, is unintentional, but it works quite well. Behind me is a fat bike, which I bought fairly recently. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, nice. So I bought that, bought that in January. This is my little office room, and I'm in a two bedroom apartment. So the bikes have to come in here. So um, yeah, there's one of my bikes here. My other bikes in there. Yeah. This fat bike, the wheels on this are ridiculous, mate. It's a Norco, Norco Bigfoot. When I say this, is, I think I'm still going to bike tour with my traditional Surly. Yeah. If I go on another, if I go on another proper bike tour, that's what I'd take. That bike is served me well, and I will continue to look after it, and I'll use that for probably the rest of my life. But I also want to do some routes and some things which you only. Or you really do want a bike that's got more off-road capability. I think this fat bike is too much. What are the size of the tires on that fat bike? 4.75. Okay, and they can get a bigger though. You can get like up to like 6 inch or something on some fat bikes, right? Yeah, I think it can. But negative with it is when you go through mud, all the mud, all the mud 
gets stuck to the wheel and makes it really heavy. Oh, okay. The wheel's big. Yeah, so yeah. you've suddenly got this really heavy bike, which you're pushing up mountains. Oh, it, it can be really fun. And I think it comes into its own in sandy environments, snowy environments. So maybe in the future, I'll take it to somewhere like Morocco or to Iceland. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that bike will always be suitable for certain. I'd love to take it up to Canada and Alaska in the winter and, uh, yeah. and give it a proper... Proper blast. I think particularly going up to the the top of the Arctic Sea in Canada during winter, and I think a fat bike's perfect for that. Do you think, in hindsight, a mid fat bike would have been better, like just a like a mountain bike with the ability to put on wider tires, get those three inches on? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think um, for me, what I want is probably something closer to a mountain bike, something not with suspension, but mm-hmm. uh, a hard tailed mountain bike. Maybe I know. Um, I think Trek. Do this really cool bike which uh, has pretty thick tires and it's it comes fully. I can't remember. I think it's oh, a it's bike, bike packing one, right? With the the rack on the front. Yeah. And I forget what it's called. I don't called know too. what it's called. Without without Lee, I haven't got my laptop with me, but without researching it, there's a really good Trek bike. I'll see if I can I find think, it right now. Yeah, if you put Trek bike packing, it's got a big orange rack. Yeah, the back. yeah, I know the one. Um, the Trek Eleven Twenty. Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a twenty nine plus, so it's like a, a mid fat bike. I think you could probably get three inch tires or something. What's it cost? It cost. Um, let me see. Because this bike here was like I don't know. I think I paid like seven hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe a thousand, one thousand two hundred Canadian. The eleven twenty sucks, Ryan Banduza. <laughs> I think Ryan used that bike in Baja on the Baja de Prague. Twelve hundred bucks. 1200 bucks that's really interesting ryan thanks for joining and putting in actual expertise as opposed <laughs> to me blagging it <laughs> thank you ryan um yeah so i, I know ryan, like ryan, i'd like to ask i'd like to ask ryan why does it suck in his in his opinion That'd there you be go really ryan shoot us a message here yeah i know the guy i interviewed tristan ridley he was using a mid fat bike and um it, it wasn't a track is he riding through africa now he's in south america somewhere so um okay. yeah he finished africa no south yeah he finished africa completely oh right. Dreiser says it's 2700 bucks brand new so that's pretty pricey yeah so this bike here behind me i think was 700 pounds um, it's a canadian brand um and aluminium frame aluminium frame mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that is, Canadian, US dollars, but about $1,200, maybe $1,000, something like that. Yeah. So at that price, I'm happy with it, and I'm going to get some – it's fun. It's a fun bike, but and I think for that price, you can feel like you're going to take it about and and use it and abuse it as opposed to a big expensive bike for $2,700. That's uh, that's, that's up up around that. Yeah. Does your frame bag fit inside the Norco? Yes. Yeah. So I can fit fit my. I've got a Revelate Designs bag. They make them in Alaska. In, a, in I think they make them in Anchorage. Yeah. And I've got that fits in here uh, oh, cool. into the into the mid triangle. Um, I can get a decent bike packing um, on here. A decent bike packing bag uh, bag on the back and, uh, and things on the front, just like a, like a normally. Then I've also got currently fitted on the front forks these big uh, go anywhere cage mounts and i oh, put yeah. dry bags in there i had them on my surly towards yeah the you last, did i remember that last six months or so yeah ryan just wrote about the trek 1120 that the the rear rack is not strong 
I broke mine after two weeks. That's not long at all. And then looked on some forums and tons of people have had similar stories. I also blew out my rear hub after only two weeks. For two weeks of any riding, you'd expect maybe after a year, you'd be like, you'd still be pretty annoyed. But two yeah. weeks, that's that's not right. That's not correct. Thank you for that, Ryan. That's brilliant. Excellent. So um, I think the uh, the last bike I have to talk about is what uh, is like endurance bikes. So in, endurance road bikes, I think they're, they're a market of their own or um, gravel bikes. They're very similar because they can take a little bit stronger. Um, the wheels are a little bit stronger than road bikes. They're a little bit more relaxed geometry, so easier to, to ride for long hours because gravel bikers tend to do like eight hours races 24 hour races kind of nutters yeah so i'm recently that's why i'm wearing the opus hat in partnership with opus they've given me a discounted bike so an endurance road bike they call it the adventure bike so i'm getting mine with grx components so that's the the gravel series components for the gravel bikes kind of equivalent to shimano altegra so yeah. pretty high quality i'm going to be riding it with 32 mil millimeter tires for for the road stuff but i'll also have some 47s on it that i'll have some 47s i can throw on for gravel events and uh cool. yeah so it's a carbon fiber bike but it's got tons of bosses you know i got um i can get the mounted um top two bag i can put in a, i'm gonna have a frame so, bag so when I'm, you say endurance because to mm -hmm. me i i'm this is not my world so what type of events would you be doing with that bike or what type of tours would you do oh, with good that question. bike? Um, so I was planning originally, but because of COVID-19, that's all shot to shit. I was planning to do a Trans-Pyrenees race this uh, June. That was going to take a, a few days. It's about a thousand kilometers across the Pyrenees mountain range from the Med to the Atlantic. Hey, David Travelli just, uh, just uh, joined on here. Good to see you, Davey. There's a good, few, there's a good few people in here with a lot more knowledge than us. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt. Um, and then the second one I was going to do was the North Cape 4000, starting in northern Italy and um, near Lake Garda, and then all the way to North Cape. But that is, uh, they're the all North, canceled. North Cape, not North Cape. Norway. Top of, top of top Norway. Norway. Yeah. Sweet. Is that Nord, Nord Cap? Is Nord, that the yeah, Norwegian? North Cape's English. Nord Cap would be the, the, the Scandinavian word, I guess. Mate, it's a shame, obviously, that the world has gone into the situation it has. But what is a good thing is yeah. that we've all now got lots of time to plan and prepare for these future big trips. And that's one of the best things about this time is being able to explore your local area. Yeah. Have you, have, you got, have you got the bike already? No, it's coming. So I just put the order in. Uh, I spent about five five thousand dollars with bags and everything. You know, like a couple sets of pedals, mountain bike shoes. Um, wow. Everything. You know? That's it. So I spent a fortune, but uh, it's done, and I'm gonna have this bike for, for a long time. Five thousand Canadian. Five thousand Canadian dollars. Canadian, yeah. So twenty five hundred, twenty eight hundred pounds, I guess, something like that. Yeah, and you know, like there's, there's the high end bikes, you put, and generally you're paying for what you get. So, for sure, like we started <laughs> birthday gift from here. So that was a birthday gift. Thank to you, baby. It's in words now, and it's on the internet. So uh, <laughs> we use her credit card because she gets cash back. <laughs> the birthday birthday podcast can be it's in about a week. Your birthday? One week today. Yeah. We'll do a birthday around your birthday. I'm sure you'll be busy on your actual birthday. Yeah, yeah. I'm going for a bike ride. She's kicking me out for a few hours. She said, I want you to go for a ride. And I'm like, not a problem. Brilliant.
Oh, good. We're going to be competing in events like that. And and these events are quite niche, really, because usually when people talk about biking, they instantly think road biking. So they're going to think Tour de France style yeah. carbon fiber. Then you think, um, I don't know, triathlon. So similar style yeah. of bikes, but often with um, maybe time trial handlebars on there. Yeah, there's there's my road bike right here. It's on the trainer. I've been using it for my indoor riding, but I need to sell it now because I got to pay off that credit card. So uh, it's, it's <laughs> I'm moving away from the triathlons, and it's going to be more uh, ultra endurance now. So I'm I'm changing uh, changing directions. And I suppose what this shows is the amount of different little sub niches and subcategories yeah, of yeah. bike travel. When I was in Vancouver. There was a load of people that was super into cyclocross, so gravel bikes, yep. drop bars, but they'd wear lycra and they'd often be running on these muddy uh, routes, bike on the shoulder, off they go. And it was a super cool community. I've never seen such an awesome community in mm-hmm. any city in the world. Yeah, big time. Instantly, like, there was like 60 people that invited me out for a bike ride on the first day I arrived in Vancouver. Oh, also, and I was on my steel-framed Surly there are all these super light gravel bikes and I'm keeping up with them just. And then there's loads of other events to the things I do. I think I'm somewhere maybe on the right of the adventure side yeah. with having a steel framed do anything touring bike. And then even further on that is these mid uh, fat bikes and then super fat bikes. So Part of my rationale with the endurance road bike is I'm still a big road biker. So, I mean, it's it just relaxes the position a bit because I'm – as my wife so clearly mentioned, I'm turning 40 and when I'm on the drops or on the arrow bars for a few hours, my back is sore. You know, I, I'm getting old. I, yeah. I can't be like in this position He's where old, man. <laughs> I can't be in the position though, where my seat is like six inches above my handlebars and I'm bent over so much where with the endurance road bike, it's much more level. So everything's just a little bit more relaxed for the body. Whereas I think I'll be going towards the like proper Dutch European style, you know, the basket. sat up really upright with a basket, and right, be, that's where I'll be going. I'm a big yeah. fan of Denmark. They had baskets that were perfectly made to fit a crate of beer. Brilliant. But I also have my mountain bike, and I'm hoping that like with the bike packing gear I'm buying with my, uh, I'm getting Blackburn gear because they're the distributor for them to put on my Opus bike, I could just take that off, mount it to my mountain bike, and then go on, you know, real off-road adventures through through the Gatineau Park or whatever. So it just kind of gives me that flexibility. If you could have only, shall we say, two bikes, you could only have two bikes. Oh, no, stuff it. One bike. You could only pick one bike. Which one would you have as your only bike and why? Branding included, or it doesn't matter the brand? It's up to you. All right, so there's a there's a company, uh, a French guy runs called Chiru. Um, I've been following him for years, and he makes ultra-endurance bikes. That's the kinds of bikes he makes, and they're titanium, so they're they're not cheap. Um, they, they run at just under 5,000 euros. But one of them he makes, It's a, you can use it for road. You can put narrower tires. You can also fit as big as three-inch tires on it. So they've made the forks, so they're really wide and stuff. And, right. Um, that bike is, I think that kind of fits all my prerequisites. You know, I could be on road, off road. You could still get pretty nasty off road and you have that natural suspension. You could switch out the forks if you want for carbon or, or suspension. My wife is still messaging things. <laughs> so yeah, I think something like that, something like an adventure bike that can with drop bars, but flared and fairly wide that allows oh, yeah. me to control the bike. 
and get off road at the same time. That that'd be my go to. Yeah. I would keep my surly. Yeah. The surly dish. Yeah. Is it? It did me so well. I'd feel like I'd be cheating on my bike to say anything else. <laughs> I've got this emotional attachment to my to my, yeah. to my big old tour. Yeah. You guys have so, gone yeah, a long ways together. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I think as well, it, it does do so much well. You could take it anywhere. It might not do everything well, mm-hmm. but it can do everything. I think. So yeah, I think that's what I'd take. It's really difficult if I could to have pick two, a bike though. Here. It would be like a, the bike I'm getting and a mountain bike, something that could fit like mid fat tires. So I have that lightweight road gravel, simple trail bike, and then I have that off road bike. Seem has asked, do I have a name for my bike? That's a good question. Do you name your bikes? I do have a name for my bike, but I didn't start with a name. Do you do you name your bike? I, I've decided on a name for the new bike, but it'll be the first bike I've, <laughs> I've the first bike I've bought um, in a long time. And uh, the other ones, yeah, maybe I just didn't spend as much money as on this one. So <laughs> uh, my bike, I started with no name. Then over time, I was like, I'm not naming my bike. There's no point. I don't get it. And everyone else I met along the road had a name for their bike. Usually, um, weird, like strangely, wi- uh, women's names for their bike. Yeah, my wife named hers a boy's name. Hers is Jimmy. She just wrote that there. Mine Whereas is Jimmy. I've, I've named. I, I read into this what you want, but I've named mine a man's name. <laughs> but my, but because my bike is well, I say a man's name. It's uh, my bike's called Trigger. And Trigger. Yeah, in the in the UK, there's a really well known comedy sitcom which is called only fools and horses which is quite old now but it's like the biggest best sitcom that's ever come out of the uk and there's a character called trigger who has a broom and what he, he go he gets an, an award for using this broom for tw- for like 12 years never never replacing it mm. and it's like how, how, have you, how have you used it for 12 years and it's like well it's had it's had 17 handles and 12 heads and it's the same broom and like so he didn't get that it's like there's not the same broom, but my bike is like that. It's okay. had so many different parts that my bike is like Trigger's broom. So that's why I called it Trigger. Nice, nice. I'm I'm leaning towards uh, Nirvana for my my bike. Um, Nirvana, yeah, which also <laughs> yes, which also happens to be good. a female's name in Iran. Like it's a it's an Iranian girl's name. So right, so, there's a lot. Uh, it's, what's that? The the place of, entit- of enlightenment. enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I thought that was a good one. It kind of suits the bike. Like. Just it suits me for a bike's name, yeah. Or you could just call it um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a kid. There was a. I have a kid. There was a kid at the school I teach at. He was in kindergarten. He one day introduced himself to me as Thunder Jack, and then he asked me what my name was. So I replied Thunder Bob, and I quite like that as well. Thunder Bob has a good ring to it for a bike. <laughs> it's like a. It's like a proper power hero, a, power, a superhero's name. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think um, the bike is either you name it straight away, or your bike will eventually find a name for itself. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, either way, it's going to happen, and it might not be your choice. But so, what did we? Uh, yeah. What did we accomplish today? Do we accomplish anything through this talk? I think uh, the that, takeaway is. This our- is it. We do- we just talk around in circles. That's the yeah. whole point of this. I think the takeaways, though, are if you're planning your first tour and it's a short tour or it's not, you know, you're not going on a round-the-world adventure, use whatever you have. Like, don't drop tons of money on a new bike. Just get a good bike rack. 
make sure you have, yeah, I'd say it's all in the bike rack. Bike rack and good tires and just go. Yeah, I, I think the number one thing is to make sure the bike fits your body. So it's the right size. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you go into Craigslist or in the UK, the equivalent of Gumtree or Facebook ads, buy a bike for sure, but make sure you go and check it for sizing. Um, I'd be very careful about buying a bike online from a box unless you are so happy with the sizes and it's got a good returns policy. Yeah. Because if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit, you're going to be gutted that you've got this bike that mm-hmm. doesn't fit you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cause injuries and it'll just niggle you. And that makes it really hard right now because people just can't go into bike shops and really try things out. So you want to That's make sure brilliant. that if you're buying a bike from a shop, you know, like chain reaction cycles, you could always try it out return it, exchange it. I don't know if Chain Reaction Cycles allows you to do that. But they're one of the bigger yeah, shops it, I know in the UK. In the, in the UK, there's still bike shops are classed as an essential service at the moment. Um, and, and it's really good at the moment. I, I, I went, like I said at the beginning, went for a bike ride today. And it's really good to see families that generally probably don't get to spend that much time together all on the bikes together. And I think that's one of the big positives of this time. And yeah, I think if you're going to go on a one day, two day bike tour, one of the plans I've got at the moment is to go on a big bike trip, big bike ride every day, but explore where I live, do big loops around where I am. Nice. So I really, really know the area where I am. So I've, I've, at the moment, I've got no work until the end of May. Yeah. So I've got, and maybe that might get postponed. It's really unknown. So at the moment, mm-hmm. I'm just like, right, I'm going to, make the most of this time biking makes me happy yeah and i i don't know the air today i went to i rode to the coast of the uk the east coast and i went down a road like an old railway line i didn't know existed and it uh, i've lived around this area up until i was 18 and i oh, never wow. knew it was there and it was a rail trail because I, I never really rode my bike around where i lived yeah i've ridden my bike more in probably 15, 20 other countries that I have my own country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, time to explore home. I'm hoping to do that too. It's the weather's been pretty mucky. It was, we had like two weeks of really nice weather and I was like, all right, I'm going to take my bike off the trainer, put the cassette back on the wheel. And then I looked at the forecast and like the whole next week was snow and rain. And I was like, ah, I'll give it another couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's very wet at the moment. It's sunny, blue skies. Each spring has definitely arrived in the mm-hmm. UK, so it's uh, it's fine. Any big adventures planned coming up? I went to go look at a van. Uh, at one uh-huh. point, I might buy, I might buy a van. So, um, yeah, that's park it the down big by adventure. the river. Yeah, the big adventure at the moment is really just kind of putting a bit of um, not not a big out out adventure, but it's really just settling down and putting some roots to somewhere. Hopefully, when this whole um, when this whole epidemic finishes mm-hmm. looking at moving to the mountains and yeah that's the big adventure no big overseas ones i think i'm going to do a lot in the uk yeah and and then the next overseas one will be something probably not too far away mm-hmm. i'm really i'm really drawn to morocco at the moment i really would love to go to the atlas mountains and maybe spend two three weeks there yeah i'll join you intermittently <laughs> <laughs> i know it's what about you it's hard to make plans at the moment it is yeah i had my big summer plans now I'm, I'm reformulating it i've been thinking just to do an epic ride in canada but really that means it depends where the country is by the end of june you know yeah. we, have, we have some provinces it's, it's that winter, are then you're done 
We have some, yeah, well, we have provinces that are just not open. They're, they're not letting people cross into the province unless you have a, your residence is there. So like Prince Edward Island, they're not letting people in unless you have PEI cards, license information, and you, that's your primary residence because a lot of people have cottages yeah. there. Um, Quebec, Quebec um, is not letting people in right now. So I live in the Quebec side and none of my friends can come visit me from Ontario, which is like 10 kilometers away because you can't cross the bridge. Cross the bridge, the police will turn you around. Right. So it's crazy. I think it's just re- really just, I'm not making any big plans. Uh, I, it's all about just enjoying the, making the most of this because mm-hmm. how often are we as people that travel all the time told you can't travel, you yeah. have to stay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and for me, it's like, okay, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm going to make the most of this time uh, as opposed to dreaming about big trips and they will all come. I've got a, uh, one of the big trips I've got in the back pocket for maybe a couple of years' time is to walk the length of Nepal. It's something I've wanted to do oh, for nice. years. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a six-month journey. Um, so, yeah, that one's in the back pocket. There's the journey we've talked about a few times that's always in the back pocket as well. Yeah, and then we'll keep that one <laughs> DL for now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if I can't leave the province, I'm uh, uh, one guy I interviewed recently, Ari Hugerbrugge. He, uh, he had the idea, he said, why don't you just ride as far north as you can? So I looked it up, and you can ride about 1,750 kilometers north in Quebec, and then the roads just run out. So I guess we'd have to turn around. And and then if the winter starts, you get on an ice road and make your way right to the... <laughs> the so. that, I mean, that probably happens up there, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just not sure if, if there's anything past that 1,750, but it could be cool to check it out. Yeah, I think it's not for me for the UK. It might be different there, but the, the the kind of within the spirit of the lockdown as it stands, and this could change within the next few weeks even. But at the moment, it's you really should stay at home unless it's essential. So going even going for long long bike rides aren't encouraged. Okay. It's technically not. It's technically not within uh, against the the law, but it would be against the spirit of it. Okay. So. They've said really going out for an hour is generally, but it's not like restricted to that. Today I went out for a few hours, but it was, yeah, it was along a, a, a non-trafficked, very rural coastal yeah. Have you guys been out clapping at 7 p.m. on Thursdays and stuff? Uh, where I live doesn't really do that. Oh, okay. I know some parts do. It's, it's kind of a, it's beginning, beginning to become a thing, I think. Yeah, I think it's... Um, it's wonderful, but maybe uh, they should just get paid more rather than everyone clapping them. But it's uh, it makes it makes the country feel better. It makes yeah. the country feel better, and that's really good. That's it's bringing people together, and yeah. and anything at this time that's positive is always good. Fair enough. So I've, I've just been asked here uh, by Seema, do I wear a mask whilst riding? Um, I don't. With the UK, her not mom, many her mom asked. <laughs> yeah. Not many people wear masks in the UK. They, 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 it's not really a done thing. Yeah, yeah, they're hard to find. I mean, we have one mask each, my wife and I. And um, I mean, we, we spray it with, we, we just try to disinfect it between uses. But like, is it really being disinfected and cleaned? I don't know. Like, Yeah, I don't, I, I don't bother. I think that I just won't breathe on people and I won't breathe near people. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's cultural as well. The UK is not advising people to wear one okay. at the moment. They're saying... For health workers, yes, but for the general population, they're saying it can change again that it doesn't have any benefit. So who knows? Awesome, yeah. man. It was good chatting. I think um, that pretty much covers off uh, the types of bikes people might want to use to tour and the pros and cons and 
And if you do have more questions, you can definitely get in touch. Yeah, where can people find this podcast if they want to listen to the full? You can find the podcast at uh, biketoadventures.com or search Bike to Adventures on whatever podcast platform you use. Uh, you could also ask questions of Adam at, uh, what do you go by now, Adam? Adam Hugill. It's on my Instagram. You can see it on the top. Yeah, Adam Hugill, yeah. or you can find him on YouTube as well. Check out his videos. And um, if you have questions, you can ask him there as well. What should we talk about next time? Is I think we're ideas? ready to talk about gear next time. Gear. I'm yeah. surrounded by gear in my room here. Mine's, uh, mine's <laughs> packed up already in a big bucket. So maybe we wait till after I move in a, in a week and a half. Cool. That yeah. sounds good, man. Yeah. Well, um, if I don't speak to you between now and next week, happy thoughts to you. Ah, cheers, Have mate. a good one. Will do. Yeah. Thank you. All right, buddy. All the best. Good to speak to you. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to end my show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I receive from you regularly. It really motivates me to keep going with this project and to share people's amazing stories. If you have comments or questions, you can email me at info at biketouradventures.com or go to www.biketouradventures.com and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and my new touring tips page, which is slowly getting created. I'll also be integrating the Touring Talk podcast episodes into the Touring Tips section so you can listen to or read on whatever topics you like. If you're enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can also become one of my show supporters by going to www.patreon.com slash biketouradventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. Much appreciated and keep on peddling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.